A couple light bulb moments really top of mind for me really leads us into carry. And, um, you know, we've talked about return on investment, looking at it from a more holistic approach. If you're familiar with Cunity, uh, you've heard us talk about ATM, um, the three currencies we have in life, attention, time, and money. We have thanked you every week for your precious time. Um, certainly the uh, focal point of most of our conversations relate with money, but we have not delved into the topic of attention until today talked a lot about time, but uh, this is about managing your attention and being unhackable. Now, the other thing is, as I mentioned with Carrie, he's into gaps too. So anyway, without any further ado, Carrie, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, Tom. It is a fun topic. You're a great guy. And I love the fact you just put a screenshot of Christy, man. She is awesome. Why didn't I read this book sooner? And... <laughs> My wife, I told her about it, and it, she is like, you know, we are absolutely being hacked. Oh, abs absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to get into that concept today. It's fantastic. But man, I mean, you really have kind of nailed in this. But before we go any further, you know, obviously, uh, I can tell other people's story, but tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, and all yeah. that stuff. And the work that you do is just incredible. So sure. tell sure. us a little absolutely. bit more about you, Carrie. Absolutely. So I start out by telling people I'm a bald guy with a girl's name, just so they don't take me too seriously. But um, I grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up with, you know, two parents that were very much into giving and serving and money was not a focus. And I kind of grew up with a distorted view of money. That's why I'm glad you put it as a priority to talk about, because we can almost grow up with impoverished and scarcity thinking. And then we get those results and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I had to retrain my brain, but I did start out in ministry myself. I was a pastor in uh, Ohio for 12 years, but I wrote books on the side because I always knew that I had a message inside me, but I didn't know how to get it out in the right way. And as a result, I wrote book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, kept waiting for you know God to give me this great bestseller that would rain down the money, but it didn't happen. So what I had to do is get creative. And I learned that a book is not a business card. In fact, a book is a business that can be leveraged into 18 streams of income. And Tom, you and your business, I love the fact that you have a live event in Arizona. I'll be there the week before you. But you know, the fact that you are creating events, let's face it, transformation can happen in an event in a very unique way. And so what I've done is I've taken my books and turned them into 18 streams of influence impact income. And then people began to say, how are you doing that? And so as a result, the last eight years, I've been attracting a lot of influencers who also want to leverage a book. And now I get to work with incredible people and Dan Sullivan, you know, J Jim Edwards, Rachel Peterson, I could go on and on, but, but now we take their book and turn it into the maximum amount of influence impacted income. So you're really in the, the book guidance and good book publishing for authors. Oh, man. Yeah. I believe books change lives and unhackable is an example where you've read it. You're now thinking different. Well, a lot of these books here on my shelf, even though some of the people have passed now, they can, they can mentor me from the grave. And so that's the power of a book. It, it lives on, it's a legacy. 
and and I share all this because Tom, you know, just to give real quick, there was a time in my life where I struggled deeply. I was a, a gentleman who struggled with depression. That's kind of my wiring and fell into suicidal thoughts, even self-injury. So I was a high performer, but I had a lot of self-hatred and nobody knew about it. This was before the internet and it was kind of my, my private addiction. And so I had to get a lot of transformation and health and healing. And so my whole passion today is igniting souls. I believe that the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. A uh, general named Ferdinand Foch said that years ago. Mm -hmm. But I believe that that's who we're called to be. When we are a soul on fire, we're going to impact the world. But when we're not, we're going to detract from the world. So I think you and I connected so wonderfully because you share a similar vision and mission. You know, you you quoted that book about the soul on fire. I also noticed you quote, uh, quote one, I think, from the Bible, if I'm correct, and that is that uh, the glory of God is a man or woman fully, fully alive. alive. Yes, yes. That's um. It was a as a guy named Saint Irenaeus, but yeah, he was totally okay. In, not to excuse but, my but he, yeah, but no, yeah. but he was totally uh, a follower of the Bible, and I believe it. I believe that when we are still on fire, we reflect God's image to the world. And there was a time in my life where I was walking in darkness, and I didn't. But today, man, I I just I'm grateful for life, my family. And I'm now in Ohio as well. So I uh, gotcha. And, you know, back to the book and changes lives. I, I always um, I always get confused who to attribute this to. It's one of the transcendentalists, either Emerson or Thoreau. I don't know if you know the quote, but it's many have dated the beginning of a new era with the reading of a book. Oh, you know, I have not really heard that one. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And I and I, I really believe that's true. But I also believe that many date the beginning of a new era with the meeting of a person. So I, I this yes. is a new era meeting you and and welcoming you to our audience. So thank well, the you time so was much. right. It's not you know we had a mutual friend try to connect us, and it was just not the perfect time. And now we're here, and yeah, I love to talk about Unhackable. Sounds like the book resonated with you. Well, I, I just got it on Monday, and when it came, I I'm like oh. I need this book right now, but I don't need it because I got all these things I'm getting yeah. ready for the fill and all that. But yeah, I, I, I just couldn't resist. And yeah. some of the language that you use just mm. really uh, sometimes language can really sum things up like pairs of words like digital conspiracy. Oh, that's yeah. kind of a matching of words. And, you know, so what is what is digital conspiracy mean? Yeah. By the way, Sure. I was talking to my I was talking to my wife about this and I was saying you're on and I said you got to listen to this guy he's awesome and all that and she said yeah it's really scary and she said yeah with the whole Elon Musk and Twitter and all that you know yeah. so sure sure anyway what is digital conspiracy yeah so a digital conspiracy when the social dilemma came out which by the way I've been working on I was working on this book for a lot of years it's a multidisciplinary book that really explores military uh, sports high performance you name it. But the point is this, that when the social dilemma came out, it basically showed that big tech had ulterior motives, that even the people who create big tech, many of them will not allow their kids to engage in the very things that they're creating. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you that it's hypocritical for me to be like, hey, don't get on the internet because right now I'm on the internet. <laughs> but what I want to show people is that if we don't go into the internet intentionally thinking, 
then our brains are going to get hacked. In fact, it is the design of social media to hack your attention. It's called the attention economy, where before people pay for your product or service, they want you to pay attention. And attention is, like you said, a limited commodity. In fact, one of the cryptocurrencies is called the basic attention token, huh. which basically is put on a browser called the Brave browser. And you actually get earnings by you spending time on this browser. In other words, marketers know, hey, we're using, I mean, it's kind of like the matrix where you're being plugged in as a battery and you are being used. In fact, think about it. We call drug addicts users. We also call Facebook followers users, Twitter followers. In other words, we are the user. They give us the technology free because they know that we are the product. So the term hacking, a lot of people hear the term hacking and they're like, oh, that's a shortcut. That's like a life hack. No, no, no. But the real definition of a hack is when a computer or system has unauthorized access, take over it. And you think about our bodies. Our bodies are made up of systems, circulatory, respiratory, pulmonary, reproductive system. Our brains are like supercomputers. So in a way, when someone or something gains unauthorized access to our attention, thereby hacking our dreams, our goals, our desires, we are actually letting something or someone else take over us and therefore getting hacked. It's scary. And you you really broke it down. And if you'll indulge me, I'm going to list some of the... Some sure, of the, sure. It's, it's the, 30 days, right? There's no chapters. It's just 30 days yeah. of daily missions. And you, know, you talk about the following hacking us. Smartphones are hacking us. Multitasking is hacking us. Social media is hacking us. Streaming videos, advertisements, and decision fatigue. Yes. How many food decisions do people think that the average person makes today? 226.7, 226.7 food decisions. And here's what happens, Tom. It might not even be your conscious mind, but when you go to McDonald's and you, you look at all these choices, think about it. Back on the farm mm -hmm. 200 years ago, they had chicken or beef or chicken. <laughs> you know, Today you walk in and I don't know if anyone's ever felt this way, but it's information overload and it's, mm -hmm. it causes stress. I went into McDonald's the other day, not even for me, cause I won't eat that stuff. And my kids said, Hey, it's a shamrock shake day, you know, whatever once a year. So here's the point you walk in and it's a self-serve kiosk that is very complex. And I'm, I'm 45 and I'm like, Okay, what's going on? And a lady had to come over because I clicked the wrong button. Anyway, all that stuff creates decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. So when you wake up in the morning, you have a certain amount of energy. And this is why at the end of the day, we say, I feel like I'm going in circles. I'm running on fumes. My tank is empty. We use all these energy terms to describe how we feel because humans today are making thousands of more decisions. In fact, 30, 36,000 is the average a day. And, and you might say, oh my gosh. And here's the problem, Tom. It affects our quality of decisions. They've done studies with judges and found that mo more people get life sentences 
before lunchtime than after because your decision, you know, it, it, it wears on us. And so as a result, Tom, what we've done is we've said that how can we automate the decisions that don't matter? And this is why you see people like Barack Obama, Steve Jobs used to Barack, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. What they do is they automate some of the low base decisions that don't matter, but they've automated them. And so this is where very productive people are going to automate a lot of decisions that they don't have to spend brain power only on the ones that really matter. You know, you, you just, you hit on a few things. I got to just slip in a couple of things. All right. So the, sure. all, of you, all of you out there that have heard some of my workshops I've done when I talked about menu anxiety. Oh yeah. Now, yeah. Now you hear it. Cause I have described myself as having menu anxiety. Yes. And fortunately I married a foodie Carrie, because when we're out to dinner, I, it happened on Saturday night. I literally okay. was looking at this menu and I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. done. Would you please order for me? Because it stresses <laughs> me out. Number two, the other thing I want to throw okay. in this, this, I want to get back to you, but I just have to sure. throw this in. To your point, there was about, there was about four or five years in a row. I fasted one day a week and I did it more Good for, for you. I donated the money to a hunger organization wow. I did it as a discipline. You know, what I'll tell you is on those days that I fasted, for some reason, I was so productive. And you just told me why I didn't have to make 220 you know, decisions. Yeah, six, yes, yeah, you saved 200. And I'll tell you what else you did. A couple other things that you did. You didn't switch task. So multitasking, you know, we, we tend to stereotype women and we say they're great at multitasking. Actually, it's switch tasking. Switch tasking, all the research shows that you cannot do two cognitive things at the same time. Now, sure, you can mow the lawn and listen to an audiobook. Your body is going on autopilot with all those uh, motor functions. But I'm talking about cognitive. If you're talking to me and someone else in my, my house is talking to me, I'm literally having to switch. And what they call is they call this attention residue. I, I'm listening to my kid. Now I'm listening to you. Now I'm listening to my kid. Now I'm listening to you. The strain on the brain actually begins to deplete the energy. It's called attention residue. And so part of me is there. Part of me is here. And here's what else we've done, Tom. We now have a term called digiphrenia. Not <laughs> schizophrenia, but digiphrenia. And by the way, all this is in the book. And here's what I mean by that. Tom right now Unlike any other point in human history, Tom is living on his LinkedIn profile. He's living perhaps on his Facebook profile. He's living on his Twitter profile. Whatever social media he has, even just, hey, you're living with a text message that you haven't responded to, and it's calling for you in your subconscious saying, hey, you haven't responded yet to Joe. What happens today is we literally have multiple personalities, digitally speaking, that we now have this stress in our lives. Like, am I being consistent? What if I didn't respond? What if I didn't say the same thing? What if I haven't shown up over there in a while? And, and what happens is you begin to leak your power. And so this book truly is about you, what I call one of my other books, Showing Up Filled Up. Showing Up Filled Up means that you literally are not leaking your power everywhere you go. And as a result, the power of you being present, I'll tell you what, Tom, I have, I have scored six-figure deals 
because I've just walked in and been absolutely present where I can pick up tones, body language, you know, gestures, hints, photograph on the desk, watch. And I mean, it sounds crazy, but some of the movies out there like Limitless, right? Scarlett Johansson's in one of them, but, but there's movies out there that basically talk about how do we have this superhuman focus? It's all based on, in the book, what we call flow. And flow is the optimal state of human performance where you actually become 500% more productive. It would be much better for me to not watch the movie and do the email, then watch the movie, then instead try to do one email over an hour because I'm trying to catch the, the you know, I'm switch tasking and I'm getting hacked. Now, uh, the whole decision anxiety and decision fatigue, Yeah, it also gives it a little validation um, in the sense that for me, I know that I am not good at making complex type decisions after a certain amount of t- at certain time of day. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you know, um, uh, I think it was Daniel Pink that did the work when, right? And he yes. talked about time. And yes. just Kairos and Kronos. Just to, your, just to your point about you don't see the judge right before lunch because hungry and he's going to take it out on you. Yeah. Also, like, don't get surgeries at in the afternoon. That's right. 2.55 p.m. is statistical low point in the day. So anyway, thank you for validating when I cop out <laughs> and say, I'm done making decisions today, you know? Yeah. Let's get to the subject of money. Okay, okay. perfect. And certainly if someone is hacked, Yep. And they are sucked into media and advertising, social media. They're going to be led to believe that they need things yes. that they really don't need. So it's a oh, wide, yeah. open, wide open subject. So unhackable oh, yeah. and money. Yes. Put, put, put that together for us. So what's interesting, I'm going to get to the point of the book that says this, but it's called the hack attack. Okay. And what I mean by that is, I would, I'll, give, I'll set it up here while I'm finding this. I was watching a show with my wife years ago, and it was about a car that was able to get hacked. Okay, so this was like a 60 minutes thing, right? Mm-hmm. And what it showed is that there was someone in a car far away, and they were hacking the car. And what happened was the 60 minutes person was driving, and all of a sudden the windshield wipers start going, and they feel stressed. And then the horn started beeping, and they're all worried. And then, and then, they hack the steering wheel and it actually like goes off the road, right? It's pretty dangerous. And I said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happens mentally when we get hacked. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. You talk about money, ready for this? I call this the hack attack and it, and it is a conspiracy. And what happens is you begin to have these loss of certain things. Here's what you begin to lose. When you get hacked, here's what you lose. You lose control, just like that car. You lose clarity you lose competence, you lose confidence, right? I mean, you get hacked, you're like, do I even have my mojo anymore, right? And then you start losing insight, influence, impact, and income. And now let's talk about what we begin to say. Here's what we say, Tom. We say four I am statements and four I have statements. And one of them is about money. Here's what you say, I'm not in charge. Then you say, I am confused. Mm -hmm. You say, I am not good enough. I am an imposter. So this happens in a microsecond. You're not even consciously doing this, but when you get hacked, you're like, 
I suck, basically. You know, that's what you're basically saying. Then what happens is you say, for I have statements. You have, I have no vision. I have no effect on others. I have no credibility. I have no currency. Bottom line, check that out. The first lie, I am no one and I have nothing. So when you get hacked, literally, you are literally saying, I am no one and I have nothing. And you bet you will fill that ache with everything in the world, you know, purchasing things, digesting things, addicting to things. And so that's the danger of a hacked parent. And by the way, I got to share this. This is really powerful. Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist, he did a lot of surveys and he said, what's the most damaging thing in the life of a child? When I was asked that question, I was like, I don't know what he said, alcoholism, abuse, abandonment. He said, no, it's the unlived life of the parent. Oh, say that again. Oh my gosh. I say like, that again, I will you? Um, the most damaging thing in the life of a child is the unlived life of the parent. Ooh. So the parent who comes home, kicks the proverbial dog, sits down on the sofa, hand me a beer, give me the remote, and let me veg out. What is veg short for? Vegetable. Tell me the brain waves of somebody who's in a vegetized state. Dead. Hmm. So most people, 86% of the population is going through life at the end of the day, literally choosing to get hacked. They're saying, please hack me. I can't think. I can't relate. And the kid looks at this and says, why do I want to be like mom and dad? Hmm. If, that, if that's my hope to graduate so I can do this every day, that's damaging for the kid. What's inspiring for the kid is mom or dad or grandparents or uncle or aunt who says, hey, I'm living my best life. I'm pursuing a goal. I'm pursuing my dream. What do you think about that, Tom? Well, you like that? Yes. And I, what the first thing that came to mind is the glory of God is someone that's uh, fully alive. Yeah. You know? And so as parents, being fully alive inspires our offspring. You know? It does. It does. And in the book, in the very beginning, I, I use this term called abracadabra. Because, man, I'll tell you what, I've written books in two months. This book took me like six years. Okay. It took me a long time because it was just, it was so deep. Right. But here's the point abracadabra, very few of us know what it means. But check this out kids from a young age, when they want something to come true, they say, abracadabra, stop raining, or abracadabra, let's go to Disney World. They use that phrase, but here's what's really powerful. Folks, I want you to catch this. The word abracadabra means I create as I speak. Ooh. I create as I speak. That's, what the, came, that's what the actual word means? The actual word means it came to pass as it was spoken. Now, check this out. This can blow your mind, Tom. It's made up of three Hebrew words. The first word, abra, is actually abba, and it's, it's father. The word abracadabra, this is not a faith talk, but just hang with me. It means father, son, spirit. And it's used in all languages, and it doesn't have to be translated. In other words, it's abracadabra in Arabic. It's, you know, so something powerful we've gotten as we've been born, something inside of us says, I want to create 
as I speak. In other words, I want to be unhackable. What happens is, though, we dream and we get hacked. We have a desire and it never comes to fruition. And that, my friend, is when we are living a life of desperation, like you said, throw, uh, I think it was, quiet desperation. You know, I, uh, you're a main stage guy, and I could absolutely see you in a room with, you know, thousands of people. You do this all the time. And I've got a couple, couple events I got in mind for you, which I'll talk awesome. to you about later. Awesome. Uh, I took your unhackability hackability assignment this morning. Oh yeah, the, the, the assessment, it's free. The, the assessment, yes. Yep. And I did pretty good. Good. What else, I mean, I got some observations. I would have not done very good. I would have done a lot less um, uh, six months ago, a lot worse a year ago. So much of this has to do with having an awesome team, you know? Yeah, awesome good team. for you. You know, and we have an awesome team and it's, we've got a lot of team members on this call. They're amazing. And, and a lot of it has to do with maturity too, but I'm guessing if I would have taken this thing, you know, in prior years, yeah. it would have looked horrible, but I'm at a point in life where, you know, I'm, I'm less hackable than I was, mm. but you know, certainly I'm like the rest of us to succumb to all of just digital conspiracy to yes. me with, you know, I get sucked into the same things like everybody else. It's a cool assessment. Yeah. It's on your website. Yeah. Yeah. Unhackablebook.com. Absolutely free. Take the assessment. We also have a second assessment. That's a flow trigger assessment that basically tells you how much of your life is designed around flow, the optimal state of human performance which is pretty powerful. Tom, can we get into one practical exercise that people could literally do today? I don't know. Do we have time? I don't know. What, we what have time. We absolutely have time. I think our group okay. would love it. Yes, go okay. for it. Okay. So here's, here's, what, here's a way that we get hacked every day. I do. Have you ever had this, Tom, where somebody sees you and they're like, hey, Tom, it's been a while, man. We should do lunch sometime. And you're like, yeah, we should. We should do that. And then, and then you get talking and then you walk away what happens is that's called an open loop it's an open loop in your head where you didn't even consciously remember it but your subconscious is going and you're like tom you're not being honest you told that guy you should do lunch but you never scheduled it and what happens is it never closes closes the loop it's like a window that lets the air come in right the cold air the winter air and you're leaking energy and here's what happens. It's kind of like the computer that has a lot of browsers open where you, I, I'm guilty of this, but like I'm working on that and then I'm working on that, then that person. So I have like 55 tabs open. What, well, we know that that affects the RAM of the computer, the random access memory. When you have all these open loops in your head, it's literally sucking your energy on a subconscious level. Crowd, I'm supposed to call the real estate agent. Oh, we need the lawn mode. Yeah, I never got the guy to do that, you know, and all these things. And then you go to work and you can't even really show up filled up. So what we do is we get people to write out every open loop on one per post-it note. Okay. So you get a post-it note and you literally say, get the guy to mow the lawn. Okay. Pick up the dry cleaner. You know, like you, you put every open loop, the big and the small, like the biggest thing, like 
crud, I missed my taxes to the smallest thing. I got to pick up bananas. It's all grinding in the subconscious. It's all hacking your brain. So you write this down and here's what you do. You write on the wall, okay? I encourage you to do this in the wall. You write on the wall, do it, delegate it, delay it and dump it. Now, here's what I mean. Jack Canfield, nothing against him, okay? But he had, he had this and I don't like this. Delay it. If you delay something, you've just said that you're gonna let yourself get hacked. In other words, you've left the window open. But when you do it, check it out, done. When you delegate it, somebody else does it. When you dump it, nobody does it. And so what you begin to do is you begin to put all these post-it notes just like this Mm -hmm. in different categories, okay? So what this is gonna do is it's gonna be a mental clearing. It's like the, um, what's that one? Marie, whoever, who talks about cleaning out your home, you know, Mm. somebody knows probably in the chat, but but where, where you, you know, say, does this give me bliss? And if not, you get rid of it, okay? This is a different filter. Now we're doing it with do it, delegate it, dump it. We've done this at workshops where the whole room just starts buzzing with activity and we put post-it notes all around and there's these big charts. And what people begin to do is they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel so free. And here's the thing. If there's one that I call this the one exception, if something is massively unable in that 30 minutes to be categorized, then you get 48 hours. That's it. It's 48 or 72. But I give, I give you a short amount of time to say you can absolutely grind on that one thing for, for 72 hours. And after that, it's due, delegate, or dump. And then what I do, Tom, is it's gone. You, you really expunge it from your memory. And you might say, well, Carrie, what if, I'm, what if I still want to do a book in a year? Great. But you've expunged it. You've closed the loop. And now you can show up, build up all the energy in the room on that project. That's one example of uh, one of the days. The book is broken down into 30 days, but that's just one day mission. You know, I, I love that open loop and I love your categorizers. We have an, we have an exercise that is about getting closure. And uh, in order to have a new beginning, you need to close off something else. And I think what you're doing is you're taking another dimension to that, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, open loops. I love the verbiage. We'll give you credit when we uh, update our activity around this. Oh, you're good. The other, the other thing, you know, so you and I have strategic coach in our blood. Yes. And it's, it's absolutely part of at least my psyche. It's very influential. And the uh, you know, Dan Sullivan, one of the very first things I learned was um, the importance of cleaning up messes. Oh, yes. And, yeah, you're the one who told me this to say that again. And, uh, you know, and what messes do is they, uh, I, I think Dan's definition, it's an obligation without commitment. It's like something you feel Ooh. obligated to do, but you're not committed to do. That's and, and so I think we're pointing to the same thing, and that's the importance of creating mental, mental space. You, of course, are articulating it brilliantly. You've got great activities around mm-hmm. it and have taken it to another level. I'm, I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, uh, Carrie, I, I, I could talk to you all day. And, uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I, I don't know how long you go, but, but this was a blast. And Tom, I know God connected us for a reason. And um, there's a lot of synergy, even in the couple times we've chatted. So I'm, I'm excited for your people. They seem amazing. And yeah, if I can help in any way, let me know.
Well, we're, we're, we're going to get you to one of our events. And um, we, um, we had talked about having you at the fill this year, but we had already decided to do, you know, the strategic coach. Which but, is great. They're going to do awesome. And, you know, on the title of your book, you kind of open up the door, close the gap between dreaming and doing. Uh, Carrie, you're, you, you came on here on short notice, like mm. many of my guests. Um, sure. You're articulate. You're a great human. Your work is amazing. Awesome. So awesome. what I would like to do at this point is I would like to uh, let you know what's coming, um, your million dollar light bulb, all right? And uh, what we will do is we will formally be inviting you into our brain trust. Any final words that um, you would like to leave this group with? Yeah, oh yeah, there's there's a mic drop. It's not my own, but I'll share it here. Today, that open loop exercise, what we really did was I pushed you to decide. Decide is from a Latin word that literally means to cut off or kill. Think about all the words in English that end with that suffix, suicide, genocide, insecticide, pesticide. It all deals with death. And when we have to make a decision, you and I both grew up in the same house, Tom, where we were told, keep all your options open. When you keep all your options open, you're actually prolonging the pain. Mm. In other words, when you make a decision, it's painful, but it was acute pain, not chronic pain. Chronic pain is when you have two options and you sit there and belabor. So think about a tree. A tree is healthy by only cutting off the branches, cutting off, deciding. And so everyone here is like that tree that has a limited amount of sap power. And I want to challenge you today to make one decision. Somebody might say, you know what, I'm making a decision today to hire that housekeeper, or I'm going to make a decision today to cut my Netflix or whatever. I encourage before you leave today, make a decision because the more decisions you make, the more unhackable you can become couple comments your thing about the housekeeper just yesterday oh my god just yesterday michelle's like i made a big just it's so funny that you that is that that is awesome and by the way i thank you but i also am i'm gonna have a bone to pick with you later today because we have a meeting where i'm supposed to make a bunch of decisions and they are not going (laughs) to let me leave they're going to use this against me all day today. Yes, they are. In terms are. of making decisions. No, it's all good, man. <laughs> Can you read the book, everybody? Feel free to get the audio, too. I actually read it to you in, in a pretty powerful way. So that's fun, too. So uh, Amazing guest. I hope you enjoyed it. Guys, thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you next week.